Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe on the valleyfreeradio.org. How was that? Was that close, Joe? No, close enough. I mean, I, I, I already know the name of the show. You're not saying it for me, so ask No, to ask. but I want to get it right. I have a reputation of getting it wrong all the time. Well, so, you never you never use the definite, the definite article. You never say the Sports Plus show. You just say Sports gotcha. Plus show. It gotcha. sounds like you jumped in mid-sentence, but... Uh, <laughs> hey, what else is new? I, I so really I'm wish- calling... I'm calling in from Western Mass. Joe's out on the left coast in the morally superior Portland area, and um, and Matt is uh, in Agawam, right? Or I am, I am, yep. I, I'm in Agawam. Drained today was my field day, so we had. Uh, oh my God, that's so much work. Oh, uh, I'm exhausted. I've been up since three o'clock this morning. It's now Oof. four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm exhausted. So you're you're going oh, to bed early tonight. Daryl and Joe, you will be uh, carrying a lot of the show energy today. Oh, good lord! Yeah, we're <laughs> in trouble now. Because <laughs> I've been because I've been packing all day, trying to scramble to remember everything I need for a four week road trip, which Ooh. I leave for tomorrow morning. So we'll see. I I know I'm going to walk out the door and come back in at least twice. Right. And I I actually was going to go spend the night at a friend's house a half hour away, knowing that I was going to forget something important. Knowing <laughs> that I could just back. come back and get it in the morning, but that's, I'm not even going to be ready to go do that. So I'm still like, I got loads of laundry. I got boxes outside and then it started raining. I couldn't do anything outside anyway, but I wish, I really wish we, this is a video podcast. I wish you could all see Daryl with his multicolored lay. Daryl, do you want to share? It's a Hawaii sh- day today. So that, uh, uh I was actually going to ask Daryl, what, what was it um, like tropical day today at school or something? It was tropical day. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, you get to say hello to me- Megan. Come here. Look at, we're recording our sports show. Oh, hello. Glad I'm interrupting. Hi, Megan. <laughs> How's it going? Megan said she loves basketball too. I want you to know that. Oh, jump in. We'll talk plenty yeah, of basketball yeah, today. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. Plenty of basketball. Well, and because we have a circle school, we were shooting against the bricks today. So I have those, you know, those little balls we use for for the kids. So I have two of them here. We play with them all the time. We bounce pass. Come on, get those elbows together. Push, step, bend your knees, you know, teach them how to dribble. I miss second grade. I really do. I really miss second grade. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I don't know, Daryl, do you want to share your, your big news? Is that something so, you want to announce? Yeah, news for me. I had, um, my, I had a detached retina that got repaired somewhat, but what it's done is speed up my cataract surgery, which um, will I, I gather will make me see better. But in the meantime, for the next at least three months, I have 2060 vision and in my right eye, and it's just weird, um, very weird. So, I'm way beyond an age that I should retire at. And um, so I've, I've made up my mind. I'm going to retire. I'll see how many sick days I can use before I retire and, and, and then, you know, and then retire. So it's a big change for me, but like, once you make the decision, you feel good about it. So you feel more relief than sadness at this point. Well, so I've moved from an idealistic person um, because of decisions that my superintendent made about me to I'm no longer idealistic. I consider that my boss thinks I'm a potato pack sacker. And, you know, so like he has no loyalty to me, to me. I don't have any loyalty 
to him. So I'm not, you know, I, it's like, and the truth is I, you know, I have acquaintances in the school, but I have very few friends, you know, friends that are, you know, um, you know what I mean, Matt? I mean, I have Megan and Heidi and Chris, and that's really it, you know, and, and those guys are really busy. They have kids, they have active lives and, you know, so, yeah. Do you, do you feel like keeping, do you, do you feel like you're going to get older now that you're not around second graders all day? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I just am getting older, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I'm hopefully going to keep up and it's been very hard for me is to exercise regularly. I'm in good yeah. shape and I exercise, but it's, it's all of a sudden I've got a week's worth of excuses why I didn't do anything. So now school's ending. We got a day and a half map and like, okay, I got no more excuses. Let's get up in the morning, do your exercises. You guys only have two and a half days left of school. One and a half, one, one and a half. half. <laughs> nice. Don't give the man an extra day. He's retiring. Did you, did you guys have a field day? Were you able to have one? I don't know. I don't think so, but I, I don't, I don't know. Daryl, be careful. You know what happens in every cop movie when the guy has a day and a half left on, you know, on his last day. Wasn't that Die Hard? Didn't that have? Wasn't that that guy's last day? So be really careful on Monday and Tuesday, please. You know, okay. We don't need you hanging out, <laughs> hanging off any buildings. I'll try to avoid it. Oh. So I, I mean, I was just curious because you know when I coached or even when I TA'd at, at Texas it helped me to be around younger people. I feel like it, you know, especially, and you know, I went back to UMass as a 39 year old. So yeah, I that's what whole, I did too. Yeah. This whole cohort of friends that are 20 years younger than me. I feel like it, it has kept me younger. Although now I think we've all aged 20 years in the last 16 months. Yeah. yeah. No, this year was a dog year, seven years, you know, yeah. um, Joe, when you went back to school at 40, were you kind of shocked by how little, the 20 year olds paid attention to the to classwork that where they were, you know, the instruction. No, I actually had a, I was pretty thoroughly impressed by the group of kids that I went back to school with. And this was oh, a UMass, and this is where you and I met. I mean, and a yeah. lot of it had to do with, you know, a lot of them, a lot of my friends were, were people from the radio station from WMUA. And those are, you know, you don't join a thing like that unless you're really going to pour some energy into right. it. And right. anyone, any college kid that's going to pour energy into an extracurricular activity is, is worth knowing, you know, whether, right. whether right. You, you, the activity is something you enjoy or have, have in common with, right. you know, right. whether it's, you know, lacrosse or, or radio station or whatever, it's Spanish club. It's all, it all indicates people who care about what they're doing and are mentally active, which is kind of the only people I can be around present company. All excluded. Right. Sorry. All right. So Joe, what's your sports list for today? What are our topics going to uh, be? I have, I have one thing on my list and it's not even sports related. It actually has to do with, I, I don't know if you heard when I, when you came on, I was listening to, the Muppet movie soundtrack, which is something I just like go back to in times of stress because it makes me feel like a kid. And that's why I was asking you all these questions about feeling younger. Cause I realized that the Muppets in particular, I enjoy on the same level now that I did, that I did when I was 12. The other Honestly, thing, I agree with you, but I, you know, like I have nostalgia for other things like peanuts. I mean, I have, peanuts books i have way too much peanuts clothing for a 50 year old man but i i enjoy and appreciate 
the you probably comics. shouldn't admit that on the air, Joe. <laughs> but like when I watch the specials, I enjoy them in a different way than I did when I was nine years old. Yeah. Somehow but with the Muppets. The, the Muppets were exceptional. They were genius. They was who was the guy that was the main creator of it? Oh, Jim Henson. Jim Henson, Henson and, yeah. and Frank Frank Oz, who who performed, you know, a lot of the characters. And, you yeah. Know, but yeah, just yeah. I mean, I mean, and those movies were spectacular. Yeah, and and yeah. like I said, this soundtrack it just like it soothes me in a way that yeah you know, most other things don't. So that's all I had. All I had on my my list for this week was the Muppets. Muppet movie. All right, Matt, you got anything? This is going to uh, be a, a short a sport yeah. short. Right. Well, I, I do. It, I, you know, Matt, if you want to, you want me to bail you out quickly here. I was. I, I have you guys ever been so surprised at the NBA conference finals being all one and two seeds? Like these, this is a year that we thought all those teams. True, were that usually doesn't yeah. happen. That's true. But especially this year, I mean, nobody thought Phoenix or Utah was going to be there, and now it seems pretty clear that they're the two best teams in the West. Well, you, Utah, I, w- I was actually watching a little bit of that game. I actually, I watched the end of the Bucks game, um, and I'm, I was glad they pulled that game off because had uh, Because the had Nets Kevin are Durant. unstoppable. The, the, net, you know, the and, Nets. And, and, I, and I, I talked about this, too. A few, I remember a few weeks ago. If Brooklyn wins a championship, I think that's bad for the NBA. Really? Well, no, but but Joe, it, it not. For I know, the, I, I I know. It's not. An, I've heard other people make this point. I rolled my eyes at them too. But go ahead. I, well, yeah. you, yeah. I, I just for the team where clearly their their team consists of KD, Kyrie Irving, and, and James Harden. It's not taking anything away from them, but the fact that they only played seven games together, and if they're then able to pull things together and win a championship. I just, I think it continues to delegitimize the regular season. And I don't think that's good for the NBA. I think you, you would then see more teams not worry about the cohesion or the, the, you know, court sense with each other. And I think you're just going to see a, a more washed out regular season. I, I mean, well, I think, I, I think that's a legitimate thing, but, Joe, let me answer one important thing sure. about the Nets. They are n- not just those three players. They've got Joe Harris. They've got a really good center. They've got they've yeah. really got a lot of depth. They have a lot but, of depth. And um, uh, I, the reason I would object to them is I don't like these super teams. When was the first one? Was was LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne they Wade? Loved. What? Or- Go, it was the go. Celtics that you loved. Yeah, the 60s yeah, Celtics. The Celts went out and did it through trades, through being smart. You know, they, they got they got Garnett to come. He agreed to a trade. They gave up players for him. And the only reason he agreed to come was they got Ray Allen also in a trade. So it's different than, to me, it's different, of course, um, <clears throat> because it wasn't these guys sitting around and arranging it like they did with the Miami super team and like the nets you know like like uh Kyrie and and durant did with the nets yeah. but i mean the nets came out a little <laughs> a little more smoothly they had a, they built it they made the route the moves to clear a ton of cap space right they could attract two max players they got two max players it's a big market they they did what the knicks have kind of failed to do for for decades and it's now, interesting but- too because there was a feeling originally that Ainge, who really was a good general manager 
um, had fleeced the Nets with that trade for all the draft picks. But they ended up doing fine too. They ended up doing fine. But um, that's one of those. So, rare- so Matt, they are. They do have three spectacular scores. Who really, I have to hand it. I now respect Harden. When he was playing, he really he was he brought the ball up. He freed Kyrie up to be a ridiculous and KD. You know, and there he's he's really fit in well to that team. But uh, they're more than just those three players. They and nobody's yeah, beaten them this year. Well, they're going to well, well, win. That's not. Yeah, sure, they have depth, but let's not pretend like without KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, they're a contender. You no, take, but, but yeah. how you can't, you no. can't, like, no, but, but, I, wait a minute, you just, how you can not, just take players like off a team like that. Like, no, like no, 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 but you said that they only played together seven games. They ended up with the second best record in the East. And that was all, those are also legitimate injuries. That wasn't load management. That's, that's my point. That's, it's not my point that they're playing together. It's not, this is, it's, my point isn't whether or not they're good or not. I, I understand. It's, is, you're saying it's bad for the game that they can put together a rec league team that doesn't play together, can just run, run out on the court in the playoffs and run through the because, playoffs. Because, Daryl, your argument would be, okay, if KD, uh, Kyrie, and James Harden were coming off the bench, but they're not. They're the starters of that team. They are right. that team. But they're but, the playing all the but minutes. Brooklyn, so but they Brooklyn got have, depth. Well, hold on, hold on. They can have all these bench players they want. The people that are, the players that are getting the minutes only played seven games together. So that's right. my only point is that I think that delegitimizes the regular season. It's very insignificant. I don't think you can say that when they have the second best record in the East. I think yeah, what's happened in this, this playoffs is it's actually, it's legitimizing the regular season because the top two teams in both conferences are, are going to make the, the conference finals. The, the other thing, the Nets aren't where they are if Blake, Gris- Blake Griffin isn't playing God, like it's 1997. Play what like a he, brilliant move that was just, to get him. Just that, I mean, he was he, another one like Carmelo. He was done for two years. He was finished. I think they said he's played for Detroit, and I think in the last year and a half he had less than 10 dunks for for the Pistons, and he has like 40 since he's been on the Nets. In, but, but in like Matt, if, you're, if that's if this is a concern of yours, I would suggest you maybe you stop watching the NBA because it's just gonna it's just trending in that direction. Like the, thing, the reason the reason that this team can be successful like that is because it's not 1968. The NBA is so much less system based. Everyone, you know, the most complex offense offenses are pick and roll. Like there really aren't you can you can take any five players in the NBA, put them on a court, and if they're good enough, they'll be they'll be. I mean, look at the level of play in the All Star game. You know, defense aside, it's just elevated so much in the last twenty years because the game's so much more basic. And there's well, there's basically three or four things that every team does: swing the ball to the corner for a three, pick and roll with the big guy. You know, there's basically there's two plays in the NBA, and it's just about how well you run. Well, and right? Joe, and and honestly, I agree with you. And if to be perfectly honest, that I don't watch the NBA. I watch the playoffs. I enjoy playoff basketball because I feel yeah. like it has there's more desire. Like, to your point, Daryl, Blake Griffin has had ten dunks in Detroit because he was playing in Detroit. Like, I'm not <laughs> trying to question the guy, but was he playing as hard as he is now? Probably not. I, I don't. I don't. I have no idea. You know, so, but I think I don't I, watch I, the NBA regular season. Yeah, there isn't much reason to. Well, there is the if you no, there is and, if you're a homer. So fair. I watch the Celtics, and I'll bet Joe watches the Portland team. 
Well, I, I, but I'll I, I'll keep watching, you know, just because I, these these playoffs are are fascinating for me. So, Matt, my question is, what? So, so here we've got Kevin Durant, who is sort of on both ends of your spectrum. You, you're going to hate him because he went to the Warriors and then he went to the Nets. And he joined these super teams, but it seems like where he goes, the, the title is going to follow. So, does he get credit? And blame? Does he just get? Does he just it's get credit. the scorn think, of being a, a jumper arounder, or does he get credit for bringing the the trophy with him? I think it's fair. I nobody can deny that he's. I mean, if I say he's the top three player in in the entire world, would anyone argue? No, you, you would even no. say top one. You could even say top top two. Like. With he's he's within the top three, so I'm not at all surprised that where he goes, they're <laughs> going to contend. But I also think it's fair to criticize the choices that he's made. And just by saying, when the road got tough, he plowed away. You know, I he didn't he didn't he didn't stick it out in Oklahoma. I, I think for me, there's more of a sour taste of what he did in Golden State than in, in Brooklyn, I think. You mean leaving or showing up? Joining. I have a more sour taste in my mouth how he joined the Warriors. Um, than they I had just won a championship. Okay, so, so he joined the Warriors. They're already at the top. He wins a championship. That's not. That doesn't mean anything to you. He goes no, to the Nets. Who's saying that? I'm not. I, no, I, no, I know, I know I'm exaggerating, but yeah, so yeah. then he goes to the Nets, who had nothing, brings his buddy Kyrie. Eventually, they persuade Harden to join him. They win a title there. Does he get? Does he get? But credit for Joe, I think I, there? I think I know Matt's point, which is that it's it's sort of the changing landscape of sports. So, in other words, players used to, you know, like Y.A. Tittle and Sam Huff. You know, they played on the Giants their whole career. They didn't like, they didn't make, you know, the Giants weren't that good after a while. And they didn't like, I want to move to this team. This is different now. Players I, I force themselves to in, into different how, situations. Do you guys think that's bad, though? I don't think that's bad. I think that's great. I think it's a reality of modern day. But do you think it's good or bad? I think it's clear Matt thinks it's bad. I'm. I just, I think, well, I mean, I, for the argument, uh, my original point was the fact that the, these three players played seven games together. I think that de delegitimizes the regular season if, if they win a championship, which they probably will. But kind of like what Daryl was saying, nobody, I think it's unfair to say you can't win without another superstar. Nobody. M Michael Jordan didn't win without a superstar. LeBron James, right. Kobe Bryant had Shaq. He had Pau Gasol. Right. Everybody needs more than one superstar. But I do think, and it's it, it's a change in times, whereas it, the Lakers put together a team with Kobe and Shaq. It wasn't Kobe and Shaq having a meeting in the offseason saying, hey, join my team with me. It was the team constructing the roster. The difference now is now you have the players constructing the roster. So, Joe, your question is, is that good or bad? You know, I, I, to, for a fan, I don't watch the NBA during the regular season. So, for me personally, it is a turnoff. Is it bad for the NBA? No, somebody's got to win. So, I mean, who cares who wins it? 
but you just have players constructing their rosters now when when they feel like getting out of a contract and changing teams and and yeah. that for me as a as the fan that is a tough look for me that's why it's not it's not like so it's- so joe i i sort of what matt's saying makes me not like the way things happen now and like i look at the lakers now and i feel kind of good that they're screwed next year even if lebron and ad are healthy which they haven't been much recently um they're really, really limited financially. They're not going to be able to retain. So they, they're, it's very doubtful that they'll have a team good enough, the rest of them, to, um, to contend for a title, I think. So I think, you know, I think they're kind, the Lakers are kind of in financial trouble because of the big contracts they have and the l- lack of flexibility. Which is amazing, considering they were sort of the prohibitive favorites coming into the season. You know, you couldn't right. have gotten three to one odds that they were going to win. Right. But and I, you know, there's no way. Do you think there's any way that LeBron goes more than one more year? I think he'll play more than that. I think you'll see him pretty soon be playing 16 minutes a game, maybe player coach. But here's the thing, and Matt, I I, I don't understand why there's such a huge difference. Now, especially for a self-proclaimed casual fan of the NBA, why it matters that the players are controlling their own their own destiny. And this is again, this is a, a league where the players weren't even fairly paid until 25 years ago. So uh, anything the players get right now is long overdue. And I I am always and if you I've annoyed you with this by now. I am always going to come down on the side of the players in these sort of division. So for me, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't see any difference. I actually prefer that LeBron James is constructing his own roster and Kevin Durant is constructing his own roster and Dame Lillard is going to call where he gets traded to, or if he gets traded at all, because I feel like the, the players are going to, um, be by having ownership of those decisions, they're going to fight harder for them. So I think you, you get more of an effort. And this is ridiculous that we have to talk about effort from people who are making $35 million a year. But I think you do, you know, I think you see a, a, a drive for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in, in Brooklyn, because this is their make or break. They put this team together and if they fail, it's, it's not only not just on them as players, then they have to hear all this other stuff from people like you about, you know, how they shouldn't be allowed but, but to Let move. me ask you this, though, then, Joe, as and, – and I get what you're saying. And like, it, it's not like I'm – I don't know if it's – I don't know if it's fair to say is it good or bad because that it, 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 it's, it is what it is. But because of that, if you're a fan, are you a fan of players or a team? Because good question. I'm a fan how, of the game. I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan okay. of – No, but, of, but of, what he's saying, though, Joe, is really interesting because – you know, like I'm an example of the kind of previous generations. I am all the places that I've lived. I love the University of Florida. I love Duke. I love all the Boston teams. And that's who I root for, all those teams. I actually root for the Giants because I go way back when the Giants were the only team on football, on, on TV. So I knew the Giants really well. But So I root for teams. But I think that the younger people like you guys um, also root for players. 
and and I I get that Joe like being a fan of the sport and I, and I I get that but I for me I think the reason why teams successful organizations have GMs and they have ownership and they're involved is because long after Michael Jordan retires there are still the Bulls long after KD Kyrie and James Harden move on from the Brooklyn Nets they're still going to be the Nets and a player should not worry about what the team looks like when they're not playing on their roster anymore. So if I'm a player, if I'm constructing my own roster and I want to put these players together, I don't care what happens two years from now, I'm going to be moving on to my next super team. That should be the player's mentality. Why are they going to worry about the team they don't play for anymore? And so I just think as if a fan is worried about the team, you want the team constructing that roster, not the players. Right? I think actually, well, I, I, I agree with the structure that you're laying out, but I, I think front offices should be more aggressive. I think what happens is front yep. offices are trying yep. to keep their jobs for 20 years. So they make conservative decisions. Right. I think that, and that's why I think that's why I think we're seeing these aggressive player run teams win championships because they are making short term decisions. And that's now that the, the level of play is elevated to where you've got all these contending teams, you need to do something to get yourself up to that peak. And, you know, it, it sometimes comes with phoenix making a great signing and devin booker and him yeah. being surprising in his second year there where yeah. ayton deandre ayton just yeah. all of a sudden who was a huge disappointment till about 30 games ago now looks like Shaq. so i think well, you know where you know where my problem comes at and Kyrie is a transcendent talent but because <laughs> of what he did to the, what any boston fan has to say about Kyrie irving right now i mean that's no 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 but no i think it's really important because we're talking about players making their own teams and that kind of thing but what what really disappoints me with Kyrie is how he quit on boston like play the year out you know play the year out don't quit on the team he quit uh, you know and that like that's really Darryl, that's how, really disrespectful. How, how, how many days would you have taught this year if there was somebody standing in the back of your classroom yelling racial slurs at you? You can't. The, the you can't. You, you can't talk about Kyrie Irving without acknowledging that there are problems for black players in that city, and that that was a sincere problem for a guy who we know has, you know, has sensitivity towards certain things. Let's. Let's put it that I way. I don't know. Honestly, I know I have a blind spot there, but I just don't agree with that. I, I don't think he never in my, from what I paid attention to, that was not the reasons he quit on the team, uh, you know? And I mean, yes, he brought it up when he came back, but I don't think that, I don't know. It's hard for me because when I've been to Boston garden, I've never heard any of that crap, but I also sit up in the noise, nosebleed seats. So I don't, you know, I'm not down there on the court. But are you Danny um, Ainge denying that it happens? Or are you just saying you've never heard it? Because I have. I, I've been to, I I've don't, been to... I, I guess what I feel like, and I don't have any data to back it up, but I feel like Boston gets an unfair reputation as being a racially insensitive area. And that's just what I feel. I mean, they had the first black coach Russell they had the first all black starting team yeah so the I don't, Red Sox were the last team to have a black player on their roster too so. that was pretty bad and they 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 got a chance to sign Willie Mays and they didn't and, and then the, the one black player they signed Pumpsy Green 
was a, you know a minor leaguer at best. And then there's and so, a, yeah, no, there's I an mean, all star. There's an all star roster in every sport of of players who have reported things being yelled at them. And I, you know, I've heard it. I feel like I've heard it more at at Fenway than at the Garden. If that makes you feel any better. No, no, I I I agree. But even like at Fenway, I don't hear that crap. But again, you're just one of many, and and so. I don't know. And, and so, you know, I can't really, I just, I feel that Boston is put in this thing that no matter what, they're going to be called racially insensitive. And I don't think they're any different than any other town. I don't think they're different than New York or Atlanta. You know, I just don't, but you know, do we have a lot of rednecks around here? Absolutely. But guess what? There's a lot in Indiana too. There's a lot, you know, so there's a lot, but that's just, I don't know. I, I've been to probably a third of the NBA arenas, probably a third of the MLB stadiums. I've heard worse things in Boston than I've heard anywhere else, without a doubt. The, without a doubt. Boston Boston, and Oklahoma, on the college side, Oklahoma, are the two that are just – standouts in, in my well the other one head. on the college side is west virginia oh i would always had good experiences at west virginia no ben used to you know he he went to virginia tech and they would go up to to watch tech play football against west virginia and he was he was nervous about his life it oh, was wow. uh it you was know, a I, really really rough um crowd i covered a texas game there i had I didn't have any trouble. I had a great experience. But tech is, tech is more of a, um, a bitter rival. A rival, yeah. This is only they'd only been in the in the Big Twelve a couple of years, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean those rivalries bring out the worst in in everybody, right? And that's probably why I saw the worst of Oklahoma people, because I you know I was there for Texas, but uh, you know I did see you know Stanford Cal is ugly. You know the things that that go on at, at those games is. Not what you'd expect from uh, people who go to Stanford and Cal. Well, uh, the NBA started their OTA or not OTAs. Um, the uh, NFL. Yeah. Any big news coming out of Mac Jones there, Daryl? <laughs> mac, mac and cheese. Did you guys mac see? All? As, so uh, give us give us some of those uh, Cam Newton. Uh, 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 yeah, so I don't know if it, they're pretty good. I don't know if the if the world has seen this, but I actually saw this on a uh, highly questionable today. Cam Newton has nicknames for everyone on the team. So uh, Mac Jones was talking about his new nickname, which is Mac and Cheese. I, my favorite is is the McCordys. He refers yes. to them as twin number one and twin number two, but he interchanges them, <laughs> so it's not not always the same one. He's a little unoriginal with the white guys. We got Stidham <laughs> is Stiddy. Hoyer is Hoister, uh, McDaniel's Mickey D's, but then he got a little creative, creative with Edelman, who's Highway Eleven, which I understand the Eleven that's his jersey number, but Highway, I don't know, maybe because he's fast. Belichick he's is Dollar. Belichick is Dollar Dollar Billy All. Justin Heron <laughs> is Contacts. I guess he wears Contacts. And then Nick Folk and Jake Bailey are Kicker Guy and Punter Guy, and the Snapper Joe Cardono is is a Snapper Guy. Um, so, um, it, so Mac Jones is, hasn't impressed so far. Um, I mean, he's but, three days of workouts. And I don't think, I don't think there's any way, even if Newton's injured 
for opening day. I doubt that Mac Jones is going to start, but there's a lot of there's still a lot of time between. I think. Now and- and I heard Bill Belichick really just have one kind of quote on it. He's doing fine. He's got a lot to learn. Um, And I think oftentimes like we try to rush these guys ahead and and a lot of careers in in the NFL, a lot of careers are ruined before they have a chance to be successful. Um, And I, I think Bill Belichick is smart enough and this organization is smart enough that they're not going to ruin Mac Jones's career before he has right, right, right. And successful. whether he is or isn't, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Think- well, what you're saying is like, it happens in sports all the time. The 18 year old phenomenon comes up and then in a year they're completely washed up and out of it rather than, you know, giving them a chance to develop and get their skills down. And yeah, well, they- even like, Look at, and, and not as a giant fan, you could say it maybe about Daniel Jones as a Jets fan, Joe, you know, maybe you could say it about <laughs> Sam Darnold. I don't, I don't want, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on him, but for a guy who had all of it coming out of college and had the arm strength and had all the, the testables, um, his career, you go to the Jets and you're put in a situation before you're really ready to grasp NFL defenses you're not ready for that and you fail at it before you were really given a chance to succeed, you know? So I, I the Patriots are smart. They're, the Patriots they're, are going to have a great year. You know, the uh, amount of money they set a spent a record amount of money on, on getting free agents. Um, they're going to be very good. At, they're also going to be an old smash smash mouth team. I think you're going to see 14 to 10 games in which they have the ball for 40 of the 60 minutes. Well, they have seven tight ends. So that's that's if they get first downs, though. They got to get first downs to have the ball. Yeah, but they they will. uh, They're going to be a dynamite team. They're they're loaded. Mm -hmm. And they don't need a spectacular quarterback. If Cam Newton can be healthy and play the year, they'll win 12 games. They're they're going to be really good. I'm pretty sure you said the same thing a year ago. If I I might have to go back and listen. You both did. You both did. Yeah, yeah. No way. No way. Yeah, yeah. No, but Matt, I I understand. I I understand what you're saying. It used to be that quarterbacks didn't play for three years. And that's, you know, you had to be a standout. You had to be John Elway to start before that. And I don't think the, the game hasn't slowed down. It's not that quarterbacks are more capable of playing the rookie year. It's just that now the teams are investing, you know, now that three of the first five picks are quarterbacks, you have, you have no choice, but to test this guy out before his rookie contract ends. So you know whether to commit to him or not. So no, the teams don't have two or three years anymore. And that's why I think we're seeing so many of these guys fail is because one in 20 is going to be good enough to start from rookie from the rookie season. But 12 out of 20 end up starting in their rookie seasons. What what we're also seeing in the NFL is the the NFL is adapting to the college game. A lot of these RPOs, a lot of this, you know, the Oh, yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Whereas in the NFL, the, the the trouble or the difficulty with especially the quarterback position is learning the NFL system. Now you have offensive coordinators who are 
adjusting to a college style system. And so as defenses continue to get faster and more athletic, and so I, I actually, I'm hopeful and optimistic. I don't want anybody's career to be, to be ruined before it has a chance to get going. But I do think you're going to see more and more younger quarterbacks be successful because they're comfortable in the plays that are being called in the NFL. Well, the you know, don't you think talking about age, don't you think, especially like in baseball, that there's so many more young players that are important parts of teams in basketball too. You know, it used to be, you had this three, four year break in period. Now it's different. People play like Booker, they play right away and they're the star of the team right away. I think that to me, it seems that most of the stars in say the NBA are 24 or under. A lot of them are. Yeah. I mean, you still got your yeah. Durant's and your Harden's and your LeBron's, you know, LeBron's still, still a superstar at 37 and you know, Giannis yeah. isn't 24 anymore. I think he's 26 now. So some of these guys are a little but Yeah. There's a lot of, there's so many that are, you know, 24 Trey and younger. Young, Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, so is that happening in football, Matt though, or not? Well, it's, it's harder in football. It, there's it, a couple. Yeah. Mahomes. You also, I mean, the average Joe, you might even know the stat off the top of your head. What's the average career in the NFL? I mean, it's done by four years, three, three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Guys are, are I, I think, for that reason, teams are younger, locker rooms are younger. Um, the NFL is is it's it's its own kind of monster in a sense, where because it's so physical, there is a difference between a 20-year-old young man coming out of college and a 24-year-old man who's been a professional athlete for a few years. And the physicality of football makes that tough for the younger kid. I would say the physicality part of football could possibly be matched by hockey, but hockey has the their affiliates. They have their minor league sort of system that allows guys to you know, have their, their bodies mature a little bit more. I think in the NBA, your, your skill and athleticism, the younger you are, the better you're going to be. You're quicker, you're faster. You know, you, when you become a professional, you spend, you can spend as much time as, as you need in the gym to work on your shot. Well, or you know, it, it's interesting. You talk about physicality because watching a little film of Mac Jones, he looks like he's a 16 year old high school player. He looks, he does. Yeah. He yeah. looks you know, and, and with very little muscle tone, you know, especially compared to the way a lot of athletes are. Um, so, you know, and the thing is, again, going back into the time machine, um, you know, I saw Daryl Stingley um, lose his career. I saw that hit. And those hits where people just lined them up and, you know, speared him going, you know, 30 miles an hour and, especially a quarterbacks too. I, I, it was brutal. And I do like that that part of the game has been put more um, in under control. You don't see that many, you don't see that many paralyzing hits like Daryl Stingle was. What had to happen though, was three years of the players being vastly confused as to what was legal and what wasn't. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this because it's kind of, starting to fade into the past it was probably 
eight or 10 years ago that they made these rule changes. And for the first couple of years, there were a lot of penalties. The officials were having trouble. I'm not saying these, any of these are bad things. They're just growing pains of, of how to get there. But, you know, these things don't come easy and they don't come easy for, you know, the leagues move slowly. And then once the leagues make decisions, it takes the players a couple of years to catch up. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad they have, I, I'm curious to know what the real impact on concussions is. I think it'll be hard to gauge because, you know, when I played 25 years ago, 30 years ago, Oh my God, 30 years ago, there, there was no, I mean, I had stingers. Didn't they used to call them stingers? Guys, older I, more. I, I had yeah. probably six to 12 concussions in six years of high school and college football and not a single one was diagnosed as a concussion. Not a single one did I leave right. practice or leave the game. I I was covering a punt in college, <laughs> and I'm I'm just flying down the middle of the field. Those I can't see anybody. I'm I'm gonna be the hero, make the tackle. No one's in. And then out of nowhere, a um a, a Amtrak bullet train hit me in the shoulder and knocked me like I don't know ten yards in the air, and I whacked my head i got up and had the stars and the you know almost the birds like the whole cartoon thing and i was wobbling my way to the sideline and my entire team is laughing like that's how these things were handled in 1990 right 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 now i would have been pulled off the field into the you know into the trainer's room and wouldn't have been anywhere near that field for two weeks so i mean i i have to admit that I hear very little about concussions anymore because, and I, I doubt that it, I, so it's just, it's interesting. I mean, I think that they're handled much, much more carefully and much better. Well, and from, there's a, a big movement in youth football and I think it's USA football that's driven it, but there's, they, they teach kids now from, you know, pop Warner and younger, the, the a, a much more proper way of, of holding their head. And it's all about sort of, what you do with your head when you get into a crowd and like i in particular like my helmet was always i just i just let it was it a weapon head. it was a yeah, weapon and i have a big hard head so i felt like that was probably my best bet to use it as a battering ram but my helmet was always much more scarred up and nicked up than any of my teammates so this is this is before your times but do, do either of you remember what they said about gerald ford when he became president no. He had played too much football without his helmet. Well, he, well, was, a, he was a leather helmet guy. My dad was a leather helmet right. guy in high school. Right. Yeah. right. Joe Paterno once said. Um, Joe Paterno. Uh, he once uh, said, can we oh, talk hey, about Joe Paterno and Bo Schembechler? Uh, guys catching yes. all this? Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. But, but Joe Paterno once said, hey, if you want to get concussions out of football, get rid of the face mask because yeah. you, you yeah. kind of feel – protected and, and I played football too I've had a handful of concussions my concussions believe it or not which is a little concerning to me now came more in the pop Warner league believe it or not oh wow yeah no I believe it and, but um you know but he would just say and and I uh, I get it as played playing football you kind of feel like it, it's not so much a weapon but you it's per you're protected so you know you don't when you when I would go in to make a tackle I wouldn't think I need to protect my head because it is protected by the helmet. The helmet right. 
is not protection for your brain. <laughs> right. right. Especially the, the stuff that that Pop Warner kids are wearing, the, the, the hand-me-down stuff that we wore freshman year, you know. these Right, it didn't ten, fit right. Ten-year-old yeah. Rydell helmets with the sponges yeah. that, that were all yeah. hard and crusty, like. Or yeah. did you have the blue inflatable insert? You had we the did, we had, that was a big, that was like, if you could get one of those, you had to be probably a junior to get one of those in my high uh, school. The, yeah. the so Matt, let, Matt, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So what do you and Jill... Have you guys talked about when your boys are 12 and want to play football, what you're going to say? Um, I, we, a little bit. And, and it's even come up. I, I'm not – football was my love growing up. That was my passion. Um, I, I understand – and I coached high school football. I understand the benefits that football teaches in, in, when taught correctly. Yeah, his kids about life, about teamwork, teamwork about, yep. you know, all that stuff. I, I don't I don't know if I'm 100 percent opposed to it. I'm going to keep a watchful eye on it. I'm not going to talk it up. That That's one thing. Yeah. I'm not gonna encourage it. I'm not going to force them into playing it. If it comes up, if they ask to play it, we'll have a conversation, probably a little bit more detail. You know, when coached correctly, it, it's not. You know, I. When coach correctly, well, especially I, I now, coaching's improving too. But no, I had the same thing. I had one of my three kids was interested in sports, and I was always very grateful that he never wanted to play football. Um, do, do I mean, I, feel- I, I did tell him about my experience playing football. So they asked yeah. me, I was tall, so they asked me to go out for freshman football as an in. So I go to first day of practice, I sprain my toe. Second day, my toe hurts so bad. Third day, my toe hurts so so bad. By the fourth day, I quit. I said, <laughs> if if I can't if I can't you know to handle a sprained toe, there's no way I'm going to survive in this game. So that was my football experience. Do you guys feel the same uh, with regard to your kids with, say, like hockey or soccer, which also have pretty significant concussion problems? Are we? No, be- I mean whether even soccer. if I'm wrong, no, I. I feel that those sports are safer, but yeah, maybe I'm wrong. wrong. Yeah, no. you're wrong, especially soccer, soccer. Yeah. Soccer has the most high school concussions out of all sports. That's what I mean. Football, though, to me, has more of, like, I have. I think I attribute all my body aches now at the age of 36 <laughs> to playing so football. So do I, yeah. So yeah. It, it's not just about the concussion. Like I said, if coached correctly, I'm not super worried about concussions in football. If you're coached and taught not to use your head, you know, there's still going to be concussion. There's still, it's still going to happen. It's still going to be there. But, but like to your point, taking a header in yeah. soccer. Right. I mean, and so. In but hockey, you have to be older know, now so, to head, right? They don't encourage eight correct. and 10 year old kids to head. Correct. Yeah, but, but they still do when you you're 13. It, I mean, if you get into yeah. it, but, seven, but, but I don't know. I've never, but you know, the thing is with football. So I remember when I was a kid, my father was a minister, and so I found out, well, if I'm an usher, I missed the whole first half of the service. Wait, because- wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You're burying the lead there, Daryl. I never yeah. knew this. Your dad was a minister. How How are you so ungodly? <laughs> so, because, I'll explain more. So, <laughs> so I, uh, he, he was a smart man. He gave a good sermon. It was a Protestant Methodist church. So, from 11 to 11.30, I was outside with Tom Harvey, this kid who was a couple of years older than me and had been the football star at Gloucester. Hi. 
and man, he could, he limped. He had, he, he was like 21 years old and his body was just a wreck, was a wreck. And it was just, um, you know, so I feel like I don't, I don't see soccer players, you know, that torn up and wrecked as, as you do occasionally with, with football. I mean, it's definitely there's less likely for other catastrophic injuries, but I was I was surprised too when I started reading about this maybe ten twelve years ago. But and it, you know you can blame it pretty much on the headers. Like hockey and football, there are lots of ways to get a concussion. And I, the worst, I, I don't know if you guys played much hockey, but the worst head head injury, in my opinion, is b- being knocked over and hitting your head on the ice. That's oh, like I thought you were going to say again. being hit by the puck, but I've never been hit in the head with a puck. I don't think, although as working as a photographer, I was shooting a AHL a Dallas stars or the Minnesota minor league team. And uh, was in the, in the little photographers well between the benches and the, you know, the play came in front of us and the puck came up and it I had my camera up and it hit me in the chest it was just it wasn't moving very fast. It was just kind of fl- fluttering, hit me in the chest, and I caught it. And the photographer next to me, who'd worked for the stars for 22 years, said she had never in 22 years seen somebody in that in that spot get hit with a puck. And they gave us helmets, like they would not let us in there without a helmet. You know, it's not. It's kind of you know, it's you're right on the bench basically. But yeah, yeah, twenty something years, she never saw anybody get hit with a puck. So I'm I'm a magnet. You guys, I told you this before. I was a magnet for for players running me over on the baseline during during basketball games. So I think, but I'm just a wait, magnet I gotta bring injuries. I gotta bring something up though. So here I am, surrounded by Yankee fans everywhere I turn, and yet. Here we are, almost done with the sports show. And you know what? I haven't heard the Yankees mentioned yet. What's going on? It's only June. <laughs> well, no, it's well, only June. Hey, it is. It's a third of the way through the season. The bigger story is how about all this sticky stuff on the pitcher's fingers? Yeah. Uh, what? what did, where did that come from? I thought that was taken care of after Gaylord Perry. Well, Galen Perry is a different different matter. So he was actually doctoring the ball to get more movement. This is well, a what, more isn't subtle. that what Matt's talking about? No, no, this is a little no. more subtle. They're using s- stuff to get, and there's a brand name. I, I don't know what it is. It's something new. Spider pack. Yeah, just to to get a better grip on the ball, which I think to this point isn't technically illegal. Oh, so, and it's all about this precious spin rate. Correct. Sure. So yeah. To um. Kind of make a parallel. If you guys can remember, um, Mark McGuire with the andostestinine yeah, yeah, yeah. in it's his locker. Steroid. It was a steroid, but it, yeah. it wasn't the illegal, right? It was just sitting there in his locker. <laughs> it was his cousin. Yeah. This well, kind no, of it wasn't stuff, the stuff in similar. it. wasn't It wasn't technically illegal, even though it you know boost your testosterone theoretically but yeah this this kind of stuff is i i think if i understand correctly the pitcher equivalent and basically um pitchers this is the conspiracy or this is the the assertion that pitchers are using this sticky pack stuff on their fingers to help get a grip of the baseball to help place their fastball mm-hmm. and to get more spin, more break on all their breaking balls. 
But are they dabbing it on their head or are they? Are you, who knows? Are you putting it under your hat? Are you putting it on your forearm? But that's the thought thing I thought was taken care of. The umps would ask for the ball. They, they'd, they'd ask for the player to but show the, them their hat. The, it's not illegal to use something on your hands to improve your grip on the ball. So it doesn't matter. They could bring a jar of it out there and, and wipe their fingers around it on the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the mound. But most of them put it on the palm of their glove hand, just inside their glove. And you just, you just sort of reach in and subtly, subtly touch it there. Or, or like Matt said, there's a lot, of, a lot of them do it on the brim of the hat, but it's tough to get it on your, your forefingers from the brim of your hat. It's easy to get it on your thumb, but it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a subtle it, thing. I don't, I don't know. Well, do you guys think in baseball that right now the pitchers are doing too good and that something has to be adjusted? We talked about this before. I think they should lower. I think they should lower the mound, lower it another four inches. I think it's it's a combination of both, and I think part of it is the mentality of a hitter is to swing for a home run or swing and miss. Yeah. The analytics department say hitting a home run is, is a, a strikeout is not as costly as a home run is beneficial. So swing for a home run. If you strike out, no big deal. And then you have pitchers doing this. But let me ask you guys this question. I kind of feel like this is, again, baseball um, messing up, messing their own product up. Absolutely. The same as steroids. Baseball knew there were steroids, but they didn't want to do anything about it until somebody else. And then, oh, it's bad for Baseball knows pitchers are doing this, and they sit on it. It's just – I, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be illegal next year. I think they'll take. I think this is the, there's enough of a stink about it happening right now that I think this off season it'll be they'll they'll ban this this so this tack enhancement then, stuff. Does this become then Joe the next cheating scandal? And do we have to if it becomes illegal next year? All these pitchers who were using it the last I don't know eight years. What about is that a steroid? Is that Barry Bonds not being allowed in the in the Hall of Fame? Because technically, everybody was there was no testing for it. Like baseball wanted players using steroids, and the, now the players are. Are you talking about players that continue to use it after it's outlawed? Let's say presume but, that it's outlawed this. Well, he's offseason. saying no, he's saying say, say they made a lot of victories when they were using that substance. Is, is that they're using it? If they're using it while it's legal, it shouldn't. It doesn't seem to. I mean, even look at Gaylord Perry, who was a notorious Vaseline user, you know, and and he's in the Hall of Fame. But Clemens isn't, right? Well, Clemens is a little different story. Yeah, Yeah, Clemens and Bonds aren't in. I can see, and and this was an interesting point, too. Like now, and I think it's unfortunate for the players. You have. Garrett Cole, for example, and he's kind of in the forefront of this right now. And as a Yankee fan, I'm following this a little closely. Um, He was a decent pitcher early in his career. Decent. Then he gets to Houston. And I'm I'm not trying to knock on Houston, but he gets (laughs) to Houston and everything changes. And Justin Verlander's career is resurrected also in Houston. Okay. But what do you, what are you saying that Houston's doing for the pitchers? No, no. So, if you listen, if you if you heard Garrett's press conference, what he's saying, <laughs> yeah, this he, was he didn't great. know how to answer a very easy question to answer, but in a roundabout way, he basically said, 
pitchers of, of previous generations teach new guys how to do things. And I was taught how to do this by a, a, a veteran. That's basically what he said. Everybody does it. Everybody's been doing it. And it's the older guys teach the younger guys how to do these tricks. I mean, I use so, in, in old man rec leagues, I use pine tar on my fingers when I pitch. It was, yeah, totally okay. but, but wait a minute. It was cold. But Matt it was the only way to hold on to the ball sometimes. Right. But Matt, are you saying that Garrett Cole is loading up his, his fingers with goop now? His spin rate has been unbelievable this year. And so now that's, that's what I'm getting at is now are you going to look at a Garrett Cole and say, well, him and Verlander must've gotten together in Houston. They both had their careers. Verlander, Verlander was on his way out before he got back to Houston. Um, everybody said he was rejuvenated because now he had an actual chance to win a championship. But in hindsight, are you going to say, well, he was putting sticky tack on his fingers. Garrett Cole's career took a massive jump. You could, I, and I hate to say this because I don't know, but uh, DeGrom, Jason DeGrom with the Mets. You know, if you look at his career trajectory, and no, now, he's been they, good the whole his whole career. Not not early in his career, but but now this the magic thing is all this spin rate. And now if you look at his spin rate, how it's increased. Again, I'm not and the pro, the part the problem is they're not doing anything illegal now. But then when it becomes illegal, do you in hindsight hold that against these guys? You were only good because of using the sticky stuff i think if you're you know, in an you environment accolades you deserve them i but i think if you're in an environment where and we saw this with the steroid era where almost everyone is is using barry bonds and mark mcguire were still the best home run hitters in the of their era they were their stats were inflated because they were on steroids but i i think I, barry bonds should be in the hall of fame i mean there's no but question. barry bonds i don't yeah i guess i agree i mean but he would he the was thing dominant is barry before, bond is a tragedy because if you look at his pic, pitch pictures of him as a young Pittsburgh outfielder, he yeah. was thin and wiry, and he was hitting home runs like crazy. He was the best player in baseball. He didn't have to do all that crap to his body. Well, but I, I think he felt he did because he looked around. But the he didn't. Saw, but I think he felt he did because he looked around yeah. the league and saw everyone else doing it. And yeah. that's what these are. These are guys that are selling out their bodies in the short term to make a whole crap load of money. And that's, they make decisions in the short term that don't benefit their bodies in the long term. And I can't imagine Barry Bonds is gonna to live to be 102. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Joe. I, I think he felt like he had to, and whether he did or didn't, who knows, but you know. All right, but guys, uh, thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D and Joe. We'll be back next week with more occasional sports reporting. See ya. Daryl, I hope you live to 102 and enjoy 30 years of retirement. I hope so, too. Thank you. Have a good weekend.